We good? Josh, just come on right down. Let's get it over with right now. If you get down here, fall on your face. Let me see if I can get cast out of you before we get started. That Georgia spirit. Good morning, folks. Uh, thank you for being here and you who are listening. I, I know that. Uh, good morning. How are y'all? Good. So I'm just going to jump right in. And I, I've, I've entitled what I'm going to speak to you about today, breaking and staying free, dot, dot, dot. Breaking and staying free. Can I tell you this? Being breaking free from something and staying free. Oh, we've already done that, Dick. You should have turned your, come on. If you, if you got, let me do this. If you have an offering, go ahead and bring it. Doug mentioned that, but clearly. Josh was in the parking lot and you were back there talking to my wife. So, of course, neither of you did. And I had such a great intro going. <laughs> so, anyway, I want to talk to you this morning about breaking and staying free, and then I'm going to say dot, 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 because I want you to help and contribute to what I'm speaking to you on this morning, because I want it to be real individual and unique to you so that you can actually do something about it. A lot of times we talk about things that happen to other people, even victories that are in their life, but there's not really a practical application to us. And so I want to give you some practical tools this morning, not just experiences I've had, but things that I've done that can help you break free and stay free. Because there's a big difference. I mean, breaking free from something is one thing, but staying free from it is another. And generally, the difference between the two lies in our ability to make the right kind of decisions going forward. So what I have done in my past is I've made some outlandish decisions that have landed me, my wife, and when our son was living with us, at times in ditches. I just made, I took my eye off the road. I took my eye off the path. I took my eye off the ball, so to speak, and I wrecked everything that we had. So what I've tried to do over the last several years is to not just recover from that, but to provide resources to others so that you can stay out of ditches. So as I speak a lot across the country, that's what I talk about is, how to avoid staying out of ditches by making better decisions. So this morning, I want to talk to you about breaking free from some things that have kept some of you in bondage for years. And not just being set free from them or breaking free from them, but keeping them out of your life once and for all. That's good news. If we can find things that have been challenging to us and have, been, have, have continually chained us and tethered us to the past... I'm just tired of being in that place. I mean, things that have happened to me years ago, and yet I still sit around and struggle with them. Anybody else been like that? I mean, just like, where you like, come on, really? This happened 40 years ago, and this is still what you're dealing with? I mean, I, I, I had to realize recently that my victim card had finally expired. I mean, like, I couldn't blame all of my failures anymore on my mother who abandoned me when I was a small child. I'm not a small child, a teenager. I, I had to stop doing that. I had to stop, uh, you know, blaming mistakes that I was making because somebody else contributed to me at some point in my life that took from me. And so as a result, I feel like I could justify the behavior that I was practicing. It's over. And so what I'm here to declare to you this morning is this. You at some point have got to assume what your life is doing and the consequence it brings belongs to you. At some point, you're going to have to realize to get over things, I've just got to get over them by making better decisions 
and putting things in my life that'll help me grow rather than having things and people around me that cause deterioration in my life and faith. And that's what wears me out most of my life. The things that bother me the most are the things I just can't kick. The things that just keep repeating over and over in my head and it cause the same outcomes. That's the crazy thing about it. I mean, I have these things that happen to me for years, and yet they keep happening, and I go like, eh, what happened here? Well, it's the same thing that happened to you the last 15 times you did that. That repetitive cycle, and I'm telling you today, you can break free from that and stay free from that, but you're going to have to own your decisions more than you're taking accountability for today, period. I have discovered, which means to me, there was areas of my life that, out of necessity, I had to change, or we wouldn't be married today. You know, I had discovered that there was things that I was doing regarding my relationship with my son that unless I changed, we wouldn't have a relationship anymore. I discovered that there's some things inside of me that were causing polarization between people I loved, things I wanted to do, accomplishments I wanted to have, that until I dealt with them, guess what? Nothing was changing. I had a moment of discovery. The second thing I had to realize is that I had to grow or develop out of that. I had to grow to change. You see, we can't stay mentally as children and expect maturity in our decisions. With me? You cannot act like a baby and expect the results a man should get. We have got to not just discover these challenges, but we got to develop as we see them into stronger men and women of Yahweh. The third thing I had to do is I actually had to take action, or what I call deploy it. I discovered it, right? I started developing in it. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what you hear until you take action. Nothing's going to change. Hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it. Difference between hear it, hear it, hear it, and receive it, receive it, receive it. Those who receive generally take action. And when we take action, we can expect a different Reggie to show up tomorrow. But the same old Reggie keeps act, making the same old decisions. You can't expect a new Reggie to come on the scene tomorrow. It's just not like that. We can't take magic pills, wake up the next day, and things change. we got deep roots in us, things that we've practiced and participated in. And we've protected, right? And we've, like, looked at and said, eh, it's not that bad. And then realized one day, oh, it's that bad and worse. Because everything around you is falling apart. Or maybe not everything, but significant things to you are. And at what point are you and I going to go, enough's enough? And all of that starts from an inward experience that helps us to understand what, how we perform on the outside starts with an inward decision we make to change. I developed a little four-step formula that I'm going to share with you today to getting and staying free. Because it's worked in my life, and there's no reason why it can't work in yours. This morning is going to really be about yourself, you alone, specific, not general directives that you have to put into place into your life for them to work. You hear what I said? This is not corporate talk this morning. This is individual self-directives that go, if you've got something in your life that needs to be buttoned up, you got to button it up. You have to dig yourself out of the hole you put yourself in. You've got to get up and go. You've got to set sail on your new way. You've got to find the inner get up inside of you that's going to actually change the mess you put yourself in and maybe those around you in. See, I can't do it for you. 
I can't want more for you than you want for yourself. Do you hear what I said? Somebody can speak life into you. You can hear the word of the Lord come forward to you. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't want it, it's not going to have any effect. It just won't. I can't want more for you this morning than you want for yourself. So my question is, how important is breaking and staying free for you? If you don't get it, do you lose your breath finally and go like, I can't go another step? Some of you may be in that place this morning. Where you're like, I've gone as far as I can go. I'm out of breath. I can't continue this facade and, and all this put on and all this fluff that I know is not real. And probably everybody around me knows it's not real. But I'm going to take charge of my life and I'm going to move forward. You know what? I know how I feel today. But the question is, are you willing to activate your feet of faith to move forward? Are you willing to activate your feet of faith to move forward? And if not, get used to the same as you had yesterday. Today, I'm attempting to lay new foundation in your life. And that foundation is, if change is going to happen, thank God for his mercy and his kindness and his generosity and his love extended to us. But you get, guess what? If you don't receive it, nothing changes. Activate your feet this morning and move forward. And that's where we can expect to see change finally once and for all. So if we can understand once and for all that the things that we now receive, we can take action on. Guys, you can break free and stay free from what has been holding you back. You ever felt like that? Just like, uh -huh. I want to move forward, but something is tethered me to my past. I can't move it in a new direction. Whatever's been holding you back can begin to stop today. Breaking and staying free is more important to you than the things holding you back that put you there. You'll get free. Let me say that. Another way, sometimes <laughs> we have loved the thing so much that have put us in the ditch, it's hard for us to really want to get out of the ditch. Follow me? So some of the things that put us in the ditch, we've been so affectionate and loving and craving it, that's why we ended up there. And the reason we can't get out is we still love and we're affectionate to it, we're going to hold on to it. See, don't fool yourself. I can't fool mine. What I love, I will chase. Things I have appetite for drive me to them in their direction. And sometimes I feel like uncontrollable restraint helps not. I can say it, oh, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And then I find myself because I have yielded my members to all of this fleshly desire and carnal nature that I have so long it's just become habit. And you can say it to your blue face. I'm not doing that anymore, but we do. Why? Because our appetite drives us to that thing that we've not yet starved out. And I tell you this, you will not get rid of anything you don't starve to death. It's not happening. We hear around here a lot, we got to die to ourselves. It's a daily ambition for all of us. But the fact of the matter is, we still give morsels to those things that matter to us, even though they're in secret. We just feed them. Eh, no big deal. Here's a, here's a little snack. I'm not giving you full meals here, flesh. But what I, 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 don't want, I don't hate you so bad I want you to go away yet. So what do we do? You see a snack here and there. Keep feeding that thing. And then we wonder why we wake up the next day after doing something we know we shouldn't have done and feel regret. We were just talking about that this morning. Because we yield our members to the appetite within us and we chase it till we bring it to the ground. What's holding you back? 
Let me make a couple suggestions, some things that may be holding you back like that were holding me back. This morning is my time here. This today is sponsored by kombucha. Y'all know what that is? I didn't. I still can't say it, but boy, good. Let me make a few suggestions. The first thing that I think that we face that keeps up and holds us back is that what I call this iceberg syndrome. You, you know, just picture in your mind an iceberg. And the fact of the matter is less than 10% scientists say of an iceberg we even see. 90% plus of an iceberg is under the surface that nobody sees. I, I, every time I talk about icebergs, I think about the Titanic, right? Can I tell you this? What was above the surface is not what sunk the Titanic. It's what they didn't see. Still even funnier to me, not that wasn't funny, that the Titanic went down killing 1,500 people. That's not what I meant. What I meant is with the advancement of technology that we've seen over the last, that happened in the early 1900s, I think, still two ships a year go down in the ocean because of icebergs. How? You put people on the freaking, I shouldn't have said that. I keep, I'm not, this is not a roofing audience, not contractors. You're lucky I didn't say something else. I, actually, I'm lucky I didn't. So it's funny to me that we can put people on the moon. We can do the surgeries that we do without touching anybody because the machines and still <laughs> ships go down the ocean because of, of icebergs. Two a year. Two a year. It's like, well, that's not that much, Reggie. We'll be on one of those ships and think that. And here's what I'm telling you. In your life and in my life, it's the things under the surface that's always going to sink the ships we're in. Always. And so what we try to do is we hide what we don't want anybody to see or we're tired of dealing with or we're uncomfortable and embarrassed that if somebody would think that, know that about us, they would think less about us and we wouldn't be such great influencers on social media. <clears throat> you laugh, but it's true. What's interesting to me is that though 10% of our, and I, I mean, I equate that iceberg to my life. Really, you only know about 10% of who I am. The fact, that's the fact. 90% of really who I am, nobody sees I'm not going to talk about it because of the embarrassment of the failures I've had and the difficulties that I've created on other people. I don't want to talk about that, but let me tell you something. It's there, that 90% under the surface that creates two things. It houses poisons in us, and it also houses our greatest possibilities. So you see, we hide things that we don't want anybody to see, right? It's poisoned, and it starts developing, and it, it starts... Uh, it starts taking life from us. It's like cancer. Until treated, it doesn't go away. Connie told me something one time that I, I, I've never forgot. It kind of gave me breath to this message that I speak. <clears throat> we, I, I've got a podcast on Wednesdays. That's not a cheap plug. It's part of the story. It's Wednesdays at 9 o'clock if you're interested. And it's called Live Exposed. And in that, this is what I talk about, the things inside of us that we don't want to talk about, but yet we never get healed from. Talking earlier about self-control. I mean, it's something that we fight constantly. And so the topic I decided was, hey, man, we're gonna, I'm going to title this thing Live Exposed with the intent of these things that are inside of us that we don't deal with, we're going to expose them so that they can be healed, removed from us once and for all. So I went to Connie, and I'm like, <clears throat> honey, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you this name of this show, and I want you to tell me kind of what your response. Now, as y'all, most of y'all know, Connie's a pharmacist, she, so that medical life, she like, sees things differently than most of us do. <clears throat> she says to me this, I said, the name's Live Exposed, and she went, hmm. And usually when she goes, hmm, I'm not really, in, I, I'm kind of nervous about what's coming next. So I'm like, she said, hmm, 
She said, when I hear living, and I'm paraphrasing. She's here this morning. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to say that up front. I'm not quoting. I'm not quoting. I'm just like paraphrasing so I can understand it. She says, when I think of live exposed, I think of bacteria. And when I said live exposed, anybody else in here think of the word bacteria? No, not one of you. Probably nobody in the world. I said, honey, what are you talking about? <clears throat> she said, there are types of bacteria that live under the surface that nobody ever sees but grows in darkness. And the only way that they're removed and destroyed, paraphrasing, is if they're exposed to light or oxygen. Once light or oxygen hits them, they die. And I thought, that's me. I've had so many, much stuff in me for years that because I've hidden it, all it's done is grown in the darkness. See, some of you can bear witness to that this morning. Rather than deal with stuff, what do we do? We bury it. We hide it. We push it down. We keep it invisible. We don't speak about it because the last thing we want to do is be embarrassed by it. Can I tell you this morning? There we go. Some of these things that are holding you back are just hidden issues that you have to become transparent with. Find somebody, someplace where you can actually open these diseases inside of you up, expose them to light and oxygen, and have them removed and extinguished once and for all. Hard thing to do. The second thing that I think a lot of people struggle with is reluctance to revisit your past. We all say this, what's done is done. Don't relive the past, it's too painful. Press on. Press on. And can I tell you today, avoiding problems doesn't solve any of them. You distancing yourself from your problems doesn't do anything for you nor the problem. You got to deal with it. So today, I'm not telling you to revisit your past. I'm asking you to resolve your past as a part of your progress forward. You see, we stay tethered to some things because we've just never dealt with them. And I know that makes some of you, like it did me, want to throw up when I say that because of the past that you've had and the pain associated with it. Been there? I understand. But what I'm telling you is until those issues are resolved, you will have a tough time putting the, your foot on the pedal of progress. You just will. Number three, we are an inch wide and a mile deep. <laughs> we have resisted the cost of depth or maturity for the sake of our horizontal obsessions. You know what that means? We're worried about growing our kingdoms wide instead of rooting our kingdoms deep. We're worried about what everybody sees in our expansion and our growth. And the reality of it is storms hit and you found yourself laid up beside the road with nothing left because you weren't grounded. And I tell you today, everybody's not going to like you, so stop trying so hard. Oh, I was saying that to me. Did y'all hear that? It mean for maybe you to hear it. Uh, uh, this, this is talking to me this morning. We're obsessed with pleasing people. We're obsessed with it. Not all of you. We're, we're, we're obsessed with impressing. We're obsessed with influencing the world while we're dying on the inside. And all I'm asking you to do this morning is to recalibrate your life and spend a little bit more time on the stuff that matters, that will mature you, that will cause your roots to become deeper, more settled, so that when storms come your way, guess what? You'll have something left. All right, here are my four steps to breaking, staying free from whatever your dot, dot, dot is. I don't know what's behind your life. I don't know what challenges that you're facing, but what I do know is you can break and stay free. And you know how I know that? I have. I promise you this, I'm no better or worse than anybody in this room. The difference is, I have made a reason for my decisions to matter every day. I don't make every one of them right, but guess what? 
when they're wrong, I know it. Because the way I think and feel and the way I determine my life is moving doesn't leave room for a lot of stupid decisions. And when I make them now, it hurts. So let me ask you something. The decisions you make that, that you know aren't right, how does it make you feel? If there's a little bit of angst in you and there's a little bit of I hate having done that and the piles of regret that come with it, you're still safe. You can do something about it. If you become calloused and you don't care, that's a different story. So this morning, I believe that I'm talking here live with some of you even online helping you to realize and to see it's not too late just not so there are four things that i've used that i think will help you and you to battle through these your dot dot dots whatever it's stopping you holding you back i think you can come out of the first thing that i realized that was and by the way the scriptural reference to everything i've talked about this morning is book of proverbs that's kind of a it's just in here you're going to see that in just a second so step number one for me was to prioritize knowledge. I had to become alert, listen, to things that were missing in my life that I had overlooked of importance. It could be a piece of the puzzle that starts you down the path to freedom. It's this understanding and this drive and desire for knowledge. Listen, can I tell you this? Sometimes we have to go back before we can go forward. You know what I did? I called and I'm getting, my, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But I, I wanted to know, I really wanted to know, not why I reacted a certain way, not that I knew that I reacted a certain way, I wanted to know why I was doing that. So you know what I had to do? I had to turn around and take whatever I did, the emotion that went with it, and I had to trail it back to a source. I had to find something rather than just sitting around and like wondering for the rest of my life or saying this, that's just me. So it was done to me. That's the way I've been doing it for so long. And, you know, that's just me. You just got to accept me. I got tired of saying that. I had to go backwards to source where the problem was coming from. And once I knew what that was, life began to take a different shape for me. I, these triggers that automatically kicked my reaction in a certain direction when a familiar situation came to me, like anger was a big deal for me. I'm not kind at all by nature. I'm just, I'm really not. I'm mean-spirited if you want to know the truth. And I couch it, I hide it, I don't, but you provoke me and watch what happens. That's the fight I still fight every day. It's just in me. And so what I started doing is I walked back and I started seeing things in my life and I'm like, oh, okay. Now, have I perfected that? No, no. Have I, I haven't perfected being so mean, but I also haven't perfected getting over that. But I have a better understanding and knowledge of it now. I know, right? If you don't know, how in the world can you do anything about it? We just haphazardly kind of walk through life and think, hey, well, it's, you know, I can't do anything about it. I'm telling you this morning, you've got to identify by name what's broken and fix it. If something's broken in your life, I got a, my little pinky here is like broke. It was broken in 1979. I remember where I was, we were playing at Nickel State in Thibodeau, Louisiana. First pace, one of the first passes of the game, I, I went out, and I was about from here to this front row of chairs, and our quarterback, it's like, buddy of mine, I'm going to see him Thursday, and I'm going to remind you of it. He reared back. I mean, we're like this far from each other. Just like a little touch pass would have been fine, Johnny. Just, just a, I didn't, but for some reason, he felt like he had to just to prove the velocity and spin of the ball coming off his hand. 
And I turned just as he threw it. And when I threw it, he threw it a little behind. I threw it up and it hit me just on my pinky. And it felt like I was shot. I came off, to, <laughs> off the sidelines and I'm holding my finger. My coach's like, what are you doing? I'm like, and my fingers already, from the time I got hit by that ball to the time I walked to the sidelines, my finger was black and blue already, or starting to become black and blue. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, what? Back, get in. So, I mean, I'm like, okay. I, I, back then, I didn't even think nothing about it. We put a little splint on it, literally with popsicle sticks and tape. Anybody else ever done that? We didn't get, Reggie, you need to go to the emergency room. Give me your finger. Pop, put the popsicle sticks on it. I see it practice Monday. Exactly what he told me. I went to practice Monday, but this thing never healed right. It never, I mean, it's just still crooked. Still crooked. That's what happens to broken things unless you fix them. Right. You got to name what's broken and fix it. It's going to take time and resource. It's going to be painful, but it don't go away until something's done right with it. Second thing that a step I took to stay broke, to stay free from the things that I broke free from was I had to understand that there was a payment required for understanding. See, there's a difference between knowledge, knowing something, and then understanding it. Let me give you a great example. In college, I had a Greek class. The first day that I was in that class, professor stood up and he said, I'm going to tell you something so you won't be confused going forward in this class. Okay. He said, in 25 years, I have only given two grades, Kim, the teacher, an A or an F. Nothing in between. 25 years. Thank you, pal. So I'm not doing <laughs> You just turned it on. Is that what <laughs> Okay, I'm going to just like. What? It ain't broke. Oh, it's this plug, Doug. It's your fault. <laughs> Don't know how to plug a dead gun plug in. It's all you. Back to your live entertainment. So this, <laughs> this uh, professor says you're going to get an A or an F, no in between. And I'm like, I took it as a challenge. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know if you've ever taken much foreign language, but and this is really, I, don't know, I guess it's foreign language, but it's like the biblical Greeks. I don't even know if that's different. But I, I would read it, and I could understand, I'm, I'm sorry, I would hear it, and I could, under, I could see it while somebody else was reading it, but I could never, it just didn't make sense to me. I mean, there's, the, the way they, the words, the tenses, and all that, I, I just never got it. And so guess what? True to his prophetic utterance, the first six weeks of that class, straight F's. I just didn't understand it. I knew it. I didn't understand it. There's a difference. I was sitting in my dorm room, which was odd in itself for me to study, but I was freaked out because I'm like, I cannot get an F in this class. I can't. And it was like light went on one night. I don't know why. And it's like I understood it for the first time ever. So I could not just know it, but I understood it. Big difference. I got up. Went to class the next six weeks, all A's. To this day, I don't know about to this day, two years ago I saw that professor and he said to me this. I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. He said, stop, Reggie. I went, wow, I was some kind of academic genius, clearly an evangel. 
He said, you're the only guy in the history of my class who made anything other than an A and an F. Because if you, I'm not real smart, but if you take all A's and all F's and mix them together, what do you get, Kim? Kind of get C's. When I understood it finally, it made sense. So you can search for knowledge. You can understand going back or you can know going backwards what causes the pains that you're having today and the reactions you have. But you don't really, it's not helpful to you understand. It becomes livable and practical and actionable in your life. So today, you have to understand to understand that there's a price to pay. It's diligence, it's efforts, it's pressing in until the answer becomes clear. So you can have knowledge, but what's the Bible say about knowledge? It puffs you up. Understanding takes the things that we've now found out and figures them out. So when that light goes off in your head where you go like, oh, yeah, now I understand. I understand why I react this way when certain situations, not the same situations, but certain situations come up. They trigger a reaction with me. Oh, I know it. I understand it. Now what do I do with it? Step three. You've got to use your superpower of wisdom. Step three is the impartation of wisdom into your life. I call it my superpower because wisdom is the ability, listen, to discern, adjust, and take new action. That's really good. Wisdom gives you the opportunity and me the opportunity to go like this. Wait a minute. I see it. I discern what's behind it. <clears throat> now I need, I need to take an adjustment time here and go a new path. So when, one of the ways I know I'm healing and getting rid of the rot in me is when I take a different path than the one I've taken before <laughs> based upon similar circumstances that I'm in. That's how you know you're winning this race. You have been confronted with this emotion for years and years and years, time and time again. But sometime, some way you go like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to react that way. I'm going this direction. That's when change has actually started. Listen, you can know all you want about stuff. You can understand all you want about stuff. The fact of the matter is until you adjust and make a course correction, you're going to end up with the same stuff you've been having. Wisdom gives you the ability to discern. It gives you the ability to adjust and take a new path. That is change. The fourth thing is this. You've got to finish your race. Things that beset us tend to make us faint. Especially those things that hang on and 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 never go away and never change. Those things weigh us down and they beset us and they knock us off course. And most of the time, off course means in a ditch somewhere. Can I tell you this morning, don't faint. Don't let yourself grow weary and well-doing. Because the only way you're going to get out of what you're in is staying the course. Fighting the good fight and finishing your race. I got criticized pretty heavily this last couple of weeks, and honestly, and I'm just being candid with you, it set me back a little bit. I'm very familiar with the prodigal son story. Very familiar with it. I feel like I've lived it up close and personal. But I, I don't really understand the prodigal story from, the, from really the angle of the father. Really didn't understand it from the angle of the elder brother. I understood it from the boy in the pig pen because that was me. And I was sharing this story. Really just trying to expose myself, be transparent with people across whoever's listening. And I get this criticism. You're mishandling the scriptures. It threw me for a loop. I'm like, what do you mean mishandling the scriptures? And my old nature, <laughs> that flesh of mine, I wanted to go on the 
an assault mission because I knew these people. They weren't like friends, but pretty good acquaintances. I mean, they tore into me hard. And generally when that happens to me in the past, I'm going to tear you up hard back. That's just me. I'm just like, I'm very defensive when it comes to stuff like that. I want to fight. When you provoke me, I don't start stuff. But when you provoke me, I'm going to come like a freight train. I can go, what do we say? From zero to 60 or 100 in milliseconds. When that, they posted that about me, I'm like, oh, no. And then I stopped myself from responding. That was the smartest thing I did all week. I just let it lay there. But it wounded me to a point to where I didn't do my podcast this week, which is kind of normal routine for me. And I'm in, a, I'm in a group on Wednesdays that I'm like, that he was a part of, and I'm like, if he's going to be in there, I'm not. And you see, that's old child Reggie rearing his head up and going like, my flesh saying, not again, pal. And my dad called me. He's probably watching this podcast, I mean, this broadcast right now, if he can figure out how the computer works. He called me, and he said, I told him, he said, he seemed a bit down about that. And I said, yeah, I was. He said, can I tell you something? I said, sure. He said, you're forgetting the third part of that story. I mean, what are you talking about? Anybody know who the third part of the story was? The elder brother. <laughs> and he said, the elder brother clearly still has breath in his lungs today. And when he said that, it got all over me. He said, because what, if you look at the story of the elder brother, he didn't want that boy out of that pig pen, his, his, his baby brother. He didn't want him out. He goes and gets to the ear of the father and goes like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. He's coming back and you're going to kill what? That's mine. He's done got his. No, no, no. You gave him when you didn't have to what he asked for. Now he's running back here and you're going to take my stuff and give to him not happening. You know that ring you're putting on his finger, that robe you're putting on his back, this big dinner? I'm the one who stayed, and yet he comes back after righteous living, and you give him my stuff. You see, when I looked at that comment and that, the, the, the way those people responded to me, that's what I heard ringing in my ear. Sometimes, and you listen to me out there if you can, possibly tune in for about two more minutes. If you're out there blowing smoke at people laying in the ditches and they're unwilling to get up and come back to the Father's house, that is on you. Because you're worried about your stuff being taken from you because you've lived right. You see, you don't understand the heart of the Father. You don't understand His desire for me to get up out of that pig pen and run back to the house where I belong. You don't understand it. What I'm telling you today is this. There's still a loving, kind, merciful Father that if you won't stop running your race is still welcome with arms wide open waiting for your arrival. I don't care how big a ditch you're in this morning. And I don't care how many elder brothers are out there still breathing down your neck saying you don't deserve it, you don't belong, there's no place for you here. All of their insecurities and all of their feelings of greed and envy of things that they think belong to them are the fathers and he'll determine who gets what. Come home. Just get up and come home. As long as I've got breath in these fat lungs of mine, I'm going to tell you what, that's the declaration of my faith that I'm going to present every time a mic is put in front of me. I will say to this to you, I don't care how deep your ditch is, get up out of it, run back to the Father's house, and your faith and your life can be remade. Woo. Break free and stay free. Break free and stay free. That's what I would tell you this morning. Finally, as I close, I'm going to say this. And I don't have two closes. I just got one. You hear that, partner? 
In closing, before my real closing, I'm going to close closely. Finally, questions got to be asked. If I break free and stay free from something, what's in it for me? <laughs> Everybody wants to know what's the return of my investment on changes that I make. Can I tell you there's four things, and I'm going to make them quick, and we're going to go eat. The first thing when you break free and stay free that you're going to experience is you will possess what the world is begging for. That's answers. Answers. You know when you best are able to minister, talk, help people? It's when they actually see something that's happened in you that's changed you. All this yappity, yappity, yap, when they don't see change, doesn't even affect them. It just doesn't. So you can say the right stuff, but if they're not seeing the right stuff in me, they're not going to pay attention. But when you break free from something, and I mean, I've got friends of mine now that have, that I'm involved in their life that have had huge drug addictions, have had massive failures in their life, but they're recovering and coming out of it. And can I tell you this? It's inspiring to me. And I look at them and I think, if they can do stuff like that, can I not do stuff like this? If they can break free and stay free, can't I? Can't you? The second thing is the path you travel, this is straight out of Proverbs, will be protected and sure. How about sure footing is a new way of living? Where you're not worried about every step you take and something else is about to happen that you didn't expect. You'll be protected. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says to those of us who break free from something by wisdom, understanding and knowledge we can be assured of a protected path and sure footing i mean my god how much more do you want well, if you do i got two more points number three you will face moral uncertainty and listen not compromise i mean i worry about me i i, I mean i worry about some of you or all of you all of us that we just tilt to compromise way too easy just too it's just easier we got so used to it can i tell you this when you break free from something and you know you're not going back to it it's going to give you a sense of certainty morally that we, many of us, have lacked in the past. Because we're sure, we're confident, and we're prepared. And the final thing is, you will live in undeniable freedom, something that's escaped many of us for years. I've told you how to tools to break free and stay free. The question is, as I close today, is will you commit to it? Because if you know, if you don't, you know, we've spent 45 minutes together. And I don't know what it's really accomplished. And to you out there today, I'll say as I close, help us who are seeking to be restored, who have made mistakes, help us to get back where we belong rather than keeping us away. Because our Father still loves us all. Thank you. God bless you. All right. So what do we do? So what I, I'm asking you to do is consider what you've heard, heard today. And if you can feel a sense